The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Beyond and hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan Dornbush, and this is IGN's PlayStation Podcast, Podcast Beyond. And of course, as I like to do with any slow week of PlayStation news, I thought I'd begin the show with a 300-line poem to fill some time and space because there's not much. Else. No, of course. Oh, everyone's leaving. Is that is that's what's happening? Everyone shut off the podcast. Well, we have plenty to talk about this week on PlayStation. This is a kidnapping. You can't just do that to people. <laughs> Don't worry. It's actually 600 lines. Anyway, I'm joined this week by Brian Altano. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Beyond. Lucy O'Brien. Hello. Good to be here. And Max Coville. And a view hello. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I'm thrown. I don't know where to go. No, of course. Uh, thank you to everyone who's uh, patiently waited for this week's episode. Uh, if you're listening this week, of course, we uh, delayed the episode to catch up on the state of play that uh, just aired as we're recording. We're recording this about an hour afterward. Uh, so I can only assume PlayStation will still have news come out tomorrow just to screw us over because somehow... They can never let us win. Uh, they, but we they just put up another state of play. I believe like it. Just just a second. We started. Recording. There's another one. This is going to be the a problem. PS6. It's amazing. <laughs> um, I mean, no, I will say they still haven't announced uh, PlayStation Plus games for March. So that's probably going up tomorrow would be. That is true. A safe bet. Anyway, we'll cover that next week. But for this week, we do have plenty to discuss, even outside of the state of play. Even if that didn't happen, it would have been a very, very busy week in PlayStation. Uh, but I do want to start with the state of play, of course. Uh, if you haven't seen it or you were you were waiting to check it out. Uh, obviously go watch it. Uh, there's a full recap of it and news up on IGN as well. Uh, the biggest hits of it, I would say, include uh, Kena Bridge of Spirits getting release date for August, August 24th. Uh, another look at Returnal, which is coming in April. Deathloop, which is coming in May. Uh, and the announcement of Final Fantasy VII Remake uh, getting Final Fantasy VII Remake Interlude. So there will be a PS5 version of Final Fantasy VII Remake, and you can also purchase some extra DLC that's kind of like an additional expansion in between episode of the episodes. You know what would be good DLC? Is the rest of that effing game. Part two? <laughs> yeah. What if they just do this? What if they just it's keep actually, releasing little additions? It's an FFing game, Max. <laughs> <laughs> um, but of course, we're going to dive into each of these games, but I do want to sort of start out from a 
uh, a quick top down like overview how we felt about it because before we jump in i i we were talking a little bit about this before the show uh this is of course a february state of play we're a couple months after the ps5 launch uh the specific text that teased this on the playstation blog said new updates and deep dives for 10 games coming to ps4 and ps5 including new game announcements and updates on some of the third party and indie titles from june's ps5 showcase last year so that doesn't really indicate uh, major first party games or first party announcements. Uh, it, it gave us a limit on sort of the amount of games we were expecting. We knew it was going to be 30 minutes, et cetera, et cetera. All that being said, I kind of was hoping for a little bit of Horizon Forbidden West in there. <laughs> yeah, I, I think like hoping for a little more is a good is a good way of putting it. I don't I didn't feel like it was like devastatingly lackluster or anything. Like no. there's definitely cool stuff in it. Um, but I was saying before to you guys, it, it felt like a very february ass show like it was just like it's the same kind of energy the rest of us have right now which is like we're putting in our best which is like a six and a half out of seven out of ten or something <laughs> like it's it was cool to get like small updates on some things i did want like i i always love the and one more thing big surprise um i guess if you're a final fantasy fan you sort of got that but yeah it was it was cool cool out of ten <laughs> it, if it was like a musical you know, it would be the the song that kind of just helps tell the story, like just carry the story along. Like it's like it's not really memorable. The one that doesn't rhyme. A, yeah, yeah, it kind of serves a purpose. Yeah. It's the one in between the intro and my shot in Hamilton. It's the mm-hmm. it's the one you don't really remember as much. Right. Um, but no, yeah, it is funny now that uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake has now been the one one more thing of now two state of plays because it was uh, before that game got re-revealed a couple of years ago. Also the one more thing in state of play. So uh, definitely no stoppage of love for Seven uh, Remake. But yeah, it's I, I'm very much there, too. I think it could have done more, but it wasn't necessarily bad. I think it was, as you were saying, it made sense for February, but I, th- I think when we're looking at the rest of the year and we were kind of talking about this uh, on last week's show of like after the Nintendo Direct kind of being underwhelming, I wish they just at least kind of acknowledged that they have those other things coming. Like Jim Ryan gave an interview this week where he talked about, you know, Gran Turismo 7 getting delayed to 2022, but Horizon's coming this year and Ratchet and Clank and all these things. But they didn't say that here. And it feels mm-hmm. like it, it, at the top of the show, if they just had said we know you can't lo- wait to play Ratchet and Clank and Horizon and God of War, and we'll have more news on those soon, but we have a ton of other great games. It feels like just a simple bit of messaging could go a long way. Maybe like, I don't know if that's expecting too much candor it's, from a it's, company. It's, it's, it is, it's not expecting too much and it is an easy thing to do. And it is, it's still important, I think, to sort of be like, Hey, you just like put up, like you gave all this money to a shopkeep to buy a PlayStation five and, you know, like that messaging is just, it's a little that will give a lot to say, and this purchase was worth it because we can't give any news right now, but this is still coming and it's still happening and you did good. You know, you just yeah. like give your money to a shopkeep. Yeah, I don't know. You that. buy your like, PS5 I, in Hyrule? What is <laughs> that's actually the only place to get them, Max. Yeah, that's fair. Fair point. Scalpers yeah. haven't 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 figured that out yet. They haven't uh, gone through the temple of time. Speaking of Zelda, though, um, I, I actually appreciated the one part of the Nintendo presentation last week where they came out and said, like, hey, we're 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 not ready to show you Breath of the Wild 2 yet, uh, yeah. but we will later this year. I think that that's a good a good way of sort of now. Granted, a lot of people didn't like that. Um, 
But I think that's a good way to hold people over. If you come out and you go like, hey, we're still working on this, this and this. But for now, we want to focus our spotlight on this, this and this. I think no, it's like, like it's like at a concert yeah. when or like a comedy show or something where there's like there's an opening act and there's an MC who comes out before the opening act. And they're like, you guys excited for, you know, the the main act, the big thing you're here to see, obviously. And everyone cheers and says, all right, well, first, you're going to check out this thing that you didn't pay to see. And like mm-hmm. people are excited about the thing that's coming ahead, but that's not the thing they're getting immediately. You know, it's just kind of like, I don't know, very, very dumb, like woohoo kind of sleight of hand. So, yeah, I mean, on the, on the flip side, I do appreciate that these things have always been sort of vehicles for a bunch of games that maybe wouldn't necessitate the, the spotlight of an entire uh, state of play or headliners or anything like that. Like, it's kind of cool that they do get to put a bunch of stuff in there that would definitely get overshadowed by something new when they mentioned like we're going to check in on an update of one of 2020's biggest games i was like oh this is absolutely last of us ps5 along with the multiplayer mode um which was you know allegedly like a whole standalone thing because that we haven't heard about what that game looks uh, looks like or plays like on ps5 outside of just like playing the ps4 version like i feel like all of their other big first party games in the last few years aside from Bloodborne, rest in peace. Uh, <laughs> we have like some sort of understanding of what what they'll what they exist like on PS5, um, even like d- down to like the PlayStation Plus collection, like. Like, where's where's The Last of Us, you know, like, is it too soon to get a PS5 upgrade? Is they're not ready to talk about multiplayer yet? Like it felt it felt felt like it was missing. Uh, I just I think in general, one of the things that frustrated me a little bit about the state of play is that I, I dislike it when companies sort of pretend that they don't know what the conversation is, um, you know, like within their consumer base. Uh, obviously, everyone is very excited for uh, for that announcement for Horizon, for God of War. Like, obviously, all that stuff is like really exciting. And, you know, that kind of messaging is like really odd to me. It's like, you know, most people aren't really paying attention to to, to GQ, you know, sorry to, G- you know, GQ is a. But like that, the majority of people are getting the news from the state of play, right? And it's and so, I, again, it just sort of seems like counterintuitive to me. Like, give those, make those announcements here. Like, you don't have to talk to GQ, and like, it's just it's just odd. It just it it just strikes me as like not really listening to what's going on, or just like not acknowledging that you're listening. Like, mm-hmm. it's an acknowledgement that you're listening is is enough. Like as Nintendo did. It feels like in part because we really haven't had Sony be direct and not to lift words again from Nintendo, but like directly communicating with fans in the same way that like I would say the Xbox Twitter account is pretty bubbly and like personable to fans. You see their community team talking to people a lot. Nintendo does things like the directs, the Nintendo Minute, like they have social presences of people on there. I don't feel like there is the PlayStation blog and they have that PlayStation blog podcast, but like I don't see a sort of figurehead or or like a mouthpiece for sony anymore like we don't really get that from anyone like we did with shuhei back in the day or i wonder how much of that is a byproduct of just sony being part of a massive global conglomerate and the fact that i mean nintendo is nintendo they obviously they have their 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 own weirdness and then microsoft i think i feel like microsoft is just sort of a modern enough company and the fact that it's you know they're it's all sort of it's all based stateside. Like, I feel like the fact that there's sort of, there are higher ups that we don't even know about in Japan running stuff for Sony. Um, and then I think, you know, obviously PlayStation got sort of transplanted to Europe now. And it, I mean, there's just a, a lot more managers have to sign off on stuff. And yeah, I mean, 
I don't know. We're all sort of speculating here. I get, I get the feeling that the state of plays haven't been as uh, I, I get the feeling they're kind of a pain in the ass to make in that you probably have to chase down a lot of people and you probably have to get a lot of approvals and it, you know, it tailor, you know, factored in like delays and, st- you know, stuff like that. And the fact that, um, you know, I mean, they didn't they didn't call it a state of play when they announced the PS5, right? Or when they showed off, yeah. that was mm-hmm. like a showcase. Yeah. Uh, and I imagine when it's like a super huge AAA game, they probably don't want to share the spotlight. Like we've seen state of plays that are like exclusively one game. But if you, you know, if they're trying to be like, hey, you know, hey, Naughty Dog, can we have like a little snippet about what's going on with the, you know, Last of Us for PS5? They're probably like, I don't know. Are you going to sandwich it between Crash Bandicoot and Kena Bridge of Spirits? You know, like they mm-hmm. don't, I don't know. It's, it's, <laughs> No, it's, it's a, like that. It's like that thing in Wreck-It Ralph where all the bad guys wanted to be the biggest one in the room, you know. And like yeah. they had to be like, no, the room has a ceiling, and it this this is what we're doing. It, when they when they showed the Last of Us in a state of play, that was the thing that that entire state of play was built around last time. Like that was the yeah. only thing that was really marketed. And yeah, like I, I I agree with you, Max. In terms of it, feels like there's something that it probably is a little bit tough to get a state of play together these days because this is the first general one since March or excuse me, since uh, August last year. And then in between, we had a Demon Souls state of play that aired on a Saturday before it came out. And then the Destruction All-Stars uh, state of play that was buried in the PlayStation Plus announcement for that month. Like it's mm-hmm. a it's a name that gets kind of thrown around and used here and there. But like you said, on the two big PS5 showcases last year, they weren't called state of place for some reason yeah i mean even yeah. when nintendo does like they'll do they don't call it their e3 showcase back when that was a thing it was just to say it was a you know nintendo direct it's happened to coincide with you know the monday of e3 or whatever um and i, I don't know i really wish that they would allow this like they're effectively like they're eating our lunch because like you know historically like we ign is sort of a you know video game publication that is there to sort of distribute and you know disseminate information about what's going on in games but on some level, I'm like, you own the messaging. Why aren't you doing something with it? Like, why isn't state of play like a monthly thing, even if it's not super big and over the top? Like, it would be kind of awesome to have that, like any kind of consistency. Uh, you know, it doesn't always have to be, you know, The Last of Us 3 gets announced or PlayStation 6 or whatever the hell it is. But like some kind of like, it, you know, it's nice to have something to look forward to. And I think our expectations would be a lot more flexible if that was something we'd gotten used to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Microsoft attempted the monthly update thing. And the problem is it's just like it's not sustainable because of what you were sort of alluding to earlier, Max. It's like wrangling all of those third parties and first parties to show something every single month uh, is difficult because it's, you know, it's sort of like when when you're making like art or music or video editing on a computer, you're constantly saving out files, which is like final, final one, final, final two, <laughs> like game design. It's, it's, it's basically never, you're never finished with it. And so I don't think we don't, we don't really get the same sort of transparency there where people are like, let's, let me show you exactly what I've been working on, uh, on, on such a frequency that said, like looking at the like to dislike ratio on this thing, like it's right now, as of this, it's got 450,000 views. Um, 48,000 upvotes, 2,000 downvotes. So it's like, it's it's mostly, like, mostly people enjoy it. Like, I would actually be interested in going through all the state of plays and all the Nintendo Directs and such and sort of seeing which were the, the best received ones, which were the least well-received ones, and sort of seeing, like, what's the pattern here? Like, what's what is actually, like, compelling people to say that this, you know, block of of trailers and snippets and exclusive world premieres is better than this one or the ones that are hyper-focused on one game. Is it better than having this scattershot approach to a bunch of different titles? So 
I don't know. I, it's, it's interesting. Interesting. I, re- I really think part of the, the problem with it is in that the upvote downvote is interesting to hear because I, I reached out right before the show and asked people what their general consensus was. And I got a lot of uh, Larry David uh, middling sort of gifts thrown back at me. Yeah. Um, but I, I think we've we've gotten to a place where there was a really good year, like a year to run where every Nintendo Direct felt like major and amazing. PlayStation was doing incredible E3 showcases. Uh, Xbox was finally starting to pick back momentum up on their showcases as well. Like everything was really great. And then because more and more showcases have been happening, obviously there's more and more content needed for all of those. So they can't all reach those highs. But I think there are still expectations for those highs to appear. And so mm-hmm. we're, we're in this weird place where I think we always want what we had back then. But if we're going to have these every few months, we can't necessarily do that. Um, right. And it, it's a, it's an unfortunate place for, you know, the companies making these games to be in, because this is like you were saying, a chance for some of these games that probably wouldn't be in the Sony E3 showcase if that was a thing this year. Like <coughs> most of these games probably wouldn't have been in. There. Uh, and so this is definitely a chance to let some of those games get some air, uh, get a chance to shine. And I do want to pivot to talk a little bit about what we did see uh, and how we felt about all of it. And I guess starting at, because we had sort of alluded to it, the one last thing of this showcase being Final Fantasy VII Remake coming to PS5. It's a free upgrade if if, if you have the PS4 version. But in order to get the new content that they showed as part of this thing called Final Fantasy VII Remake Intergrade, which is as Square Enix a name as you can get, um, it uh, you will have to pay for that uh, additional new content that brings uh, Yuffie into the game. Seems to kind of give you like an alternate perspective on the events of Remake. Uh, it, it it seems like a stopgap sort of solution uh, until part two. Um, for me, it very much reminds me of they would always after Kingdom Hearts games came out, the main ones put out a version called Final Mix like a year or two later. That was like the director's cut. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, it's, it's the game of the year edition. Uh, yeah, you know, it's yeah. I, I I'm totally fine with this. I do. You know, I obviously do wish that they would give us an update on what happens after remake. Like we waited six years, like maybe just even like a logo, like what's it called? Is it called remake part two? Is it called remake revenge? Like what? I don't know. And this is even the way that this this sort of this trailer gameplay thing rolled out was sort of muddled. It was very confusing. Yeah. Mm. Um, I yeah, mean, they... it's, it, it's still exciting. Like I, I liked this as a if there was going to be, you know, a, a middle of the road kind of big ending this was as good as any um and yeah like yuffie is a big character for a lot of people like i you know just scrolling through twitter and everyone was like oh my god it's teenage yuffie this is amazing my mind is blown <laughs> i mean i i don't particularly remember yuffie from from like a lot you know when i originally played final fantasy 7 back in the day um because she's like an optional uh character who comes in your party after you do this whole quest where you sort of chase her and she steals your material blah 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 um, but uh, you know, it's, it's a big reveal for a certain slice of that audience. And, um, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. I, 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 I dig it. I think that at, at this point, yes, it w- would be great to get some more information, but it is nice to have something so soon. I will say as somebody that doesn't, um, isn't immensely familiar with the source material, this is like fucking calculus <laughs> like this is, this is this is walking into a like like an honors class in a college i'm not supposed to be like this is i this is so far 
I'm so confused by this is what I'll say. But yeah, it seems people are happy, which is good. I don't want to I don't want to come on too negative. This is this looks awesome and I'm excited. Yeah, to play it looks it. great. Yeah. It's um, yeah, and it's they also um they kind of I mean they obviously weren't gonna announce stuff coming to phones on a PlayStation stream, but right afterwards they were like, also we're making an open like a battle royale game for phones and like a whole like another FF7 remake that covers that remakes everything, but it has like phone graphics or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there uh, seven get, get that re- get that real money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it gets ahead of the the real remake quicker than we'll ever get to the end of like this whole remake collection just in a mobile game. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm there a, a little bit with all three of you. Like, I don't know the source material. So, Brian, I'm very much like, I don't know what any of these new things are. I only know Yuffie from Kingdom Hearts, which I think makes Final Fantasy fans mad. So I'm sorry. But uh, <laughs> like, I loved the combat in seven, like by far and away, the the my favorite part of it was the combat systems and to have new new playable characters that will presumably bring new wrinkles into that gameplay. I'm totally on board for I want to platinum this game eventually. It'll look and run better on PS5. I didn't think the the graphical updates looked that dramatically better. The PS4, I was going to want to quickly say, the PS4 version looked so good. Like, it's it, so good. It was yeah. so pretty. And like when I was watching that side-by-side comparison, I was like, I mean, you know, my eye is pretty I mean, untrained into such things, but it was like... That's I mean, that's this generation in a nutshell is like yeah. the the graphics comparisons are for the most part, like one of those fine thing, fine 10 differences between two pictures. Um, <laughs> I mean, I found myself on several occasions looking at one of those things where and not paying too much attention to what the whether it's his PS4 or five <laughs> in the corner being like, wow, they really did a great overhaul. And then looking down and being like, that's the version I already played. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's it's totally just like this Pepsi challenge kind of thing. There's um, there's one yeah. look where they're walking underneath like the giant plates and the I thought the four version was the five version. And I'm like, oh, so they just added in a brighter light in the background, like the sun is brighter and just obscures more of the background. That is not what mm-hmm. I want from this. But OK, like, as as you said, Lucy, it's already a gorgeous game. So it's just running more smoothly on PS5 and probably loading a little faster. That's that's fine. They, with me. I like that they did show off the load times. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and then photo mode, which is awesome. Yes, it's, it's awesome if you like, one. you know, in-game photography. It's a gorgeous game, but also there's so many perverts out there who want to do. <laughs> they would just want to leer at Tifa. Like, just gonna say that we are gonna just see so many pervy in-game shots. Oh my god! I like we had talked about this when that game first came out. I think this is across the board the game with just the most beautiful people. Like everyone in this game is just made to be the most beautiful version of that character. So this is gonna be rough because I feel like when that came out, it was the beginning of quarantine. And we're all like. Eh, I've looked better, and here we are, like a year later. We're like, it's gonna be, they're gonna look even prettier. They're gonna be like, oh yes, these beautiful people now with thirty percent less pores. We're like, oh. <laughs> it's gonna be, uh, yeah. It, you would hope it would uh, help encourage us, but we're still locked down, so I'm not going to the mm-hmm. gym anytime soon. Um, but yeah, I, I'm excited to play this again. I, I wanted to platinum this game at some point, and now I'm gonna wait. Uh, comes out June 10th, I believe, was the release date, which is right bef- the day before Ratchet and Clank. Uh, so that week is how, gonna get busy right before E3. <laughs> how many consoles will this uh, single game straddle? Like Ooh, it, start, it this started on four. <laughs> we're yeah we're on five. i mean that was like a port right that got repeatedly added new like in terms of like telling the entire final fantasy story which um, they're already like kind of taking like a side street on i wonder if like i just feel like we're going to be on this show with like beards 
in like seven years and like white hair um and we're oh gonna god. be like kill me kill me if i'm still on this show with white hair oh my god no long gone uh but and, you're you're probably yeah. right the ps6 will be a place to play final fantasy 7 remake part one yeah um it'll it'll be an interesting journey that we're all going to go on for the next couple decades but uh you know at least it's a, it's a, a a nice game to look at before all the pervy photos happen uh i real at least it's real like I, yes you know, that's true to find the way we were like like oh it's never coming out it's never coming mm-hmm. out and yeah know, here we are um i i do want to touch on briefly just a couple of the other uh exclusives uh speaking of uh Games that come out uh, coming out that look very beautiful. Uh, Deathloop, uh, a, a game that we've seen quite a bit uh, of since its announcement. It's coming in May. We have a release date. Uh, we're going to even have more of it at the IGN Fan Fest. Um, I, I'm sold. I'm excited to play this game. I am looking forward to it. I loved this trailer, but I don't think I need to see any more of this game. Like nothing that they can show me at this point is really going to change my mind. But I do love that there is essentially a James Bond theme song to death. Oh, the theme song was so good. So good. Incredible. Like like Agatha all along that needs to go on Spotify as soon as possible Mm because it is it is a jam. (laughs) I yeah, I just started checking my phone during this one because I don't want to see anymore. Like I'm I'm sold. This looks gorgeous. I say this about I feel like every arcane game and then I don't wind up playing them. But maybe this one will do the trick. Um, (laughs) I read something that really like. I think they were talking about the size of levels compared to Dishonored. And I had totally been operating under the assumption that this was going to be like a an open world game or like fair, like entirely, maybe not entirely, but just much more spread out than that. So the thought of this having levels totally that wasn't that's a, a you know stupid assumption on my part. But um, I am really curious to check this out, though. Yeah, I'm so excited to play an arcane game again. I love <laughs> everything that arcane has ever put out. And it's just this it feels so like I haven't obviously gone hands on, but it just, it just feels so perfectly that studio. Like, you know, I could almost feel it like watching the trailer, you know, having like put so many hours into Dishonored. It just, I'm so excited. This episode of Podcast Beyond is brought to you by NordVPN, a great way to protect yourself online while also improving your overall experience while enjoying cyberspace. Are you tired of streaming shows, movies, or sporting events being unavailable in your region due to draconian restrictions that are based on completely arbitrary geographical boundaries in physical meat space? Well, switch your virtual location to a place where that's no longer an issue. The same goes for shopping. You can get the best possible deal on subscriptions, flights, hotels, and other goods and services like that from websites that like to play favorites with certain territories and currencies. Meanwhile, encrypted traffic protects your data from hackers, viruses, malware, phishing sites, and other harmful hitchhikers of the information superhighway. Though really, it's more of an information autobahn because there is no speed limit with NordVPN. It is the fastest VPN in the world, so there won't be any buffering or lagging, and it'll stop your ISP from throttling your bandwidth. Isn't that nice? One NordVPN account can be used across six devices, which is great. My wife has been using our account to watch all sorts of awful British reality TV shows that aren't available here, like Argument Island or Half Naked Idiots Fall in Love, and everyone's favorite, The Worst People Just Got Married, Let's Hear Them Talk About It. Shows that are so bad, they're blocked in our part of the world for our own good, but luckily, NordVPN allows her to trick the internet into thinking she's in the UK, so she and her awful friends can shriek and howl and cackle at the TV while I'm trying to relax. I've been using my VPN too. You know what I've been using it for? None of your business. Yep, that's right. And thanks to NordVPN, my data is safely encrypted, all bundled up in a weighted security blanket of incomprehensibly complex math problems, and nobody can tell what it's doing under there. Data, you do your thing. I'll leave you alone. 
One month of NordVPN coverage costs less than a cup of coffee. Coffee can't protect you from cyber criminals unless you throw it at them or pour it on their computers, and you'll probably get in trouble for doing that. So get NordVPN instead. To get the best possible discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash POBeyond. That link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, that is nordvpn.com slash POBeyond. And now, back to the show. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. It does kind of give me that, I guess, worry, but like I, I don't make any money from the sales, but it just feels like we're, we may be in that place again with like another uh, arcane, critically acclaimed, but not necessarily commercially successful uh, game. I was just like, it, it's so pretty and the art art direction and the style just feels so there, but I don't know if it'll end up being like a, a, a mass hit, uh, but hopefully with it being a PS5 exclusive, it can kind of get some muscle behind it there. Can, can um, you remind me if it's PS4 and PS5 or it is? I believe just PS5. I will I will double check as soon as I uh, hand off the next discussion topic, but I'm pretty sure it's just PS5 and PC. Um, I believe it and Ghostwire Tokyo are just uh, new gen. Well, hopefully that smaller install base won't hurt it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, At least it should probably like set expectations for what they're expecting sales wise. Um, I did want to touch on, of course, as well. I think the the other one that uh, I had most responses to of people excited by was uh, Kina Bridge of Spirits, which, as I mentioned earlier, has an August 24 release date uh, a little later than we uh, were expecting. Initially, that game was uh, first announced for a 2020 release. It was going to be at launch, but uh, due to, you know, COVID impacts on development, this is Ember Labs first game. So, uh, you know, obviously they had to contend with quite a bit. Um, I, I don't think this trailer showed anything that i wasn't expecting but i like I, I think it's still safe to say this game just looks totally gorgeous like it looks like a pixar game it's kind of like we we would always say that about ratchet and clank and this feels like another example of that that someone was like we can do that too watch mm-hmm. and it looks gorgeous i love the character design um what about you all how, how are you uh thinking of this latest trailer for it? i was like super into the combat sequences because they started to show some like really really cool interesting stuff that i think is gonna be fun as hell to play with like there's definitely a lot of like in your face stuff going on but when she sort of like backflipped out of there and started using sort of projectile based combat and then running up and and kind of like grunty attacking just face to face i was like oh this is gonna be fun as hell like i just want to like run up on a bunch of these dudes and just beat the shit. Like the, the bad guy they show at the end of the trailer. That's just like this, like, like tentacle garbage monster. I'm like, hell yeah. I want to kick this dude's ass. That looks like a good time. (laughs) What did he do? How do you know he's bad? What's wrong with you? Just go, go fight things. Tentacles. horrible. He he poops in the forest and leaves his stuff everywhere. It's terrible. Um, yeah, no, this looks, this looks great. I, I have this weird thing with, with games that look, I think this pretty in a, 
in a stylistic kind of cartoony way. And Ratchet and Clank is totally the same way where I, it almost, it, it doesn't impress me in the way that CG trailers sort of don't, because I almost don't believe it. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's weird. Cause I feel like I don't have this, like if you, you know, when we saw like last of us part two for the first time, I was like, wow, it looks so good. The grass is real. But in this one, it's like, there's something. <laughs> wow, wow, so, wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. wow. Um, but no, like the second I'm actually playing this, I think I'm going to be like really, really impressed with it. And yeah. it looks, like it looks phenomenal, but at the same time, if you watch this side by side with like the new that new Raya and the Dragon Raya Child, and the Lost or what, Dragon, yeah. that one, yeah, mm-hmm. um, it's I feel like there's there's definitely a similar naming convention there, but like also a really similar aesthetic, which is mm-hmm. you know somewhere between that kind of uh, you know Avatar: The Last Airbender and classic cartoony Disney. Like there's cute, there's like little cute kind of you know cherubic cartoon things, but there's also like kind of a you know, like a young adult with a with a pole arm of some sort who's ready to. Yeah, the no, there's, I, I, there's yeah. a pinch of DreamWorks Zelda somewhere in there, you know, but like not necessarily in a bad way. Right. Yeah. Well, for me, for me personally, and this is, you know, what I was saying, like before we started recording, like I'm so glad that games that are very obviously aimed at families and, and, and you know, the, the, the family genre the you know children like kids and early teens and that sort of thing. Like, I'm really glad that they exist. Uh, kids and 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 young adults like adore video games and that's awesome and there's a massive like player base there um and i'm glad that they're not all like playing you know gta 5 or whatever at age age 7 um but at the same time uh you know it's just personally kind of like the cuter the game is the more it's sort of like not for me i'm just sort of like i i'm, I'm you know i'm an adult woman who loves really sort of sick horror and that's like that's my that's my lane and so you know these sorts of games like i'm like yeah this looks cool and i'm pleased that it exists but it's just not not something that i can imagine or see myself yeah no you want to trudge through a a, you know tonally depressing landscape with as a sad Mm -hmm. dad (laughs) trotting around his daughter figure like i mean but seriously like that's (laughs) kind of like (laughs) That's kind of where I'm at. You know, Mm -hmm. I know what I like at this point in my life. That's right. I think Kina looks exactly like Alien, but I haven't seen that movie. So, you know, whatever. Uh, Anyway, moving on. (laughs) There's so much wrong with that sentence. I know, I know. You're you're talking to like three people that like that really, really deeply gets under the skin there. Like, well, you know, it's literally under Lucy's skin. She got a xenomorph tattoo. Yeah. The xenomorph was just added to Fortnite. So maybe I need to catch up on that lore. Uh, we'll see. Does he get a gun? I hope. Yeah, if you can play as him, you can have a gun. It's then he gets like little hammers and he's gonna go build yeah. build houses. It's he's great. gonna get I'm he's gonna get a backpack with a puppy arms. in it. With yeah, little arms. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be great. But he's got those tubes in his back. How's he gonna wear a backpack with a puppy? <laughs> they'll, they'll figure it out. They gotta it's figure great. it out. I play as Predator and Predator holding like a uh, a silly like gun that shoots snowballs at people while having a glittery gold backpack is just delightful. It's the best. I'm uh, not ready to see Xenomorph doing all those dances. That's gonna that's make fair. me physically. I make every character I can dance to Dua Lipa. It's very fun. Like uh, I'm, anyway. I'm okay with him impregnating humans until they explode. But if I see him do the Harlem Shake, I'm going to die. <laughs> I actually him and the Predator making them do a, a duo's BTS dance. It's very fun. Yeah, uh, anyway, physically ill right now. <laughs> Happy to help. Nostalgia is great. Uh, anyway, moving on from that, just for a couple of other ones, we saw another look at Returnal. Uh, we've talked a bit about it on the show, and I think it's kind of one of those like, I'm excited for it. I love Housemark. I just want to play it at this point. I do have a, a hands off preview up on IGN. I actually got to see like a 15 minute chunk of gameplay uh, to see a little bit more about it. They're promising that 
Uh, and for me as a big Hades fan, this this is exciting. They do. They mentioned that there is a bit of a like a story that you are progressing through as you go through these time loops, like the the roguelike element of it just being a, a run that you just keep going through. There are uh, connective tissues that lead through the whole thing. You will be progressing through a story. You do have stuff that carries over. Uh, that sounds exciting to me. But I, at this point, I just I just want to play this game. Um, beyond that one, though, uh, the only one that really, really caught my eye personally, and then if there are any others that that did for you guys, please let me know. Uh, Sifu, which is a new game from the Absolver yes. Studio, mm-hmm. uh, which I've seen both described as uh, like Daredevil and the Raid Hallway fight the game, uh, but also much more than that. But honestly, that's a great elevator pitch, in my opinion. Um, anyway, I do want to mention that we have a uh, an interview with the devs that Matt Kim from our news team did. So that's up on IGN. You can read more about the game. Uh, but obviously the, this caught some of your guys' eyes. So uh, mm-hmm. Max, I'll start with you. Uh, what what were you excited about from this trailer? I mean, I watched it and I saw what was happening and I want to uh-huh. do that stuff. And it, oh, this looks just, <laughs> this looks so kick-ass. Um, this is the the same devs that did, what's it called? Absolver. Absolver. Yeah. Which was yeah. cool as hell, but it, it's it definitely like, I mean, you could tell it was almost more and it was it was I think it, it, you know, was achieving a lot of what it was trying to do, but it was still, you know, had its had its limitations. This looked like they're they're definitely uh, they've got a little more budget or a little more like, I don't know if they've got a bigger team or what, but this looks like there's a lot more detail to it. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm getting I mean, it's weird because I'm getting some sleeping dogs vibes, um, which is, you know, which is a a, that's a, you know, kung fu beat em up game. (laughs) I'm I'm so excited about this. Brian, you, you sent this to us, but the um, the pitch for this is that every time you die, you get older. Yeah, they sort of buried that in the press release that came into our inboxes after the uh, trailer hit. And I love that. Like, what a what a cool surprise. Like, I like the, how old can you get? Like, can you get just decrepit? <laughs> like 90 I mean, and pro- just probably like, I like that it's, it's like that. Um, I mean, it's like that Dark Souls logic of like, if you're bad at the game, people are going to know it. People are going to yeah. see that coming. Uh, I mean, given how like sort of unconventional Absolver was, I'm really wondering if there's some if this is going to be more of a straight beat em up with the age thing, obviously, or if this is going to have some kind of a like some kind of a hook to how you play it. Yeah, I'm, they're... I'm, yeah, Go I'm, ahead. I'm OK with it being like like sort of story based, uh, almost like the like a 2D beat em up, like you kind of traverse through areas one after another rather than like some open world thing with a bunch of interconnected areas but i'm not sure exactly how this unfolds yet but i'm incredibly into it like it is so wonderfully stylish i think that like it it definitely is it feels like it's it it set itself aside from so many of the other games we've seen in in this uh state of play in the in in the direct last week and just like in the year in general um i i love that that they have this opportunity to make something that's like you know, specifically, this feels like somebody pitched this idea and they got to make it. It doesn't feel like some like Absolver was like a little meandering. I I, I won't call it unfocused, but it like it it was sort of like uh, uh, deliberately like weird and kind of mysterious. And this is just like the man will come and punch you in the neck. And I like that. <laughs> yeah, this you looks know? very it looks to the point. Um, yeah. Yeah. What do you think Sifu means? What do you think Sifu means? I think it's short for sorry I effed up and now I'm older. Yeah. It looks like shut the f up. Like it sounds, it just, <laughs> I see that. And that's that's the shorthand, right? Like, right? 
yeah i mean that's like there's that like there's that like subreddit of like today i fucked up and it's like people talking about how they like poop their pants in an elevator or whatever it's like (laughs) um yeah that one (laughs) no tifa is in final fantasy um i love tifu (laughs) law Uh, yeah that one uh, I think definitely caught a lot of eyes and that will be a PlayStation console exclusive when it launches I believe it's also coming to PC but uh, Mm -hmm. yeah I think the story of the show to me at least uh, and of course if there were any others you you all want to shout out we definitely can but for me at least the the message of this was like you know the big games are coming I wish they had said that like I wish that was not the implicit message but the explicit one like you know the first party games are coming here's a few of the other things along the way to like tide you over in between and a lot of it looks really cool but i do i do think they could have just messaged it as that a little bit better um any any of the other games before we move on that stood out to you all from it no just that death loop theme song that's death it's great um but yeah between death loop returnal and sifu we've we've got a hell of a roguelike collection coming to uh coming to ps5 so it it should be a fun time if you like that genre and if not Hopefully 2022 is better. Uh, did you, I do did want you guys to, see that there was there was a security breach at Five Nights at Freddy's? Oh, no. I can't believe that. Who, who broke in? There's finally been somebody has finally broken, broken in to Five Nights. This, I, what a weird name you, for like the 19th title of that franchise hey, where the same thing I, keeps happening every night. Guys, 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 I have to say this one thing. It's a little bit off topic. Um, so I like I've played Five Nights at Freddy's um, and I enjoy that series like it's terrifies me it's just jump scares like it's like you have to be very uh, Mm -hmm. relaxed to play that game um but it led me to looking up uh like like uh chuck e cheese which is something that Mm -hmm. i I didn't have growing up i didn't know it was like i i knew of it conceptually Mm -hmm. and vaguely um but i didn't actually realize that these animatronics like were kind of i sort of figured like maybe one one restaurant had like a couple of animatronics and like every other restaurant had like maybe people in suits. I didn't realize that, that like so many of these Chuck E. Cheeses had these animatronics yeah. and I don't, what, what world <laughs> does, does someone think this is what children like? So I went on to the, this YouTube channel. It was like all of the times that the animatronic smell functioned. And I understand mm-hmm. that that's where five nights at Freddy's kind of like came from. Right. But like, Holy shit, that is terrifying nightmare fuel. I'm and you I'm, guys I'm, grew up with this? You grew up with this. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm like lucky that I was able to go to like a lot of birthday parties at Chuck E. Cheese. And part of the appeal, because the appeal was limited, like to be honest with you, mm-hmm. Chuck E. Cheese is a bad arcade. Like the games are children garbage, right? Like you yeah. couldn't really go in there and be like, oh, we're gonna play Killer Instinct or some shit. It's bad. Um the pizza was atrocious. It was an affront to God, like it was just like some of the worst stuff ever. The appeal was you would go to see these nightmarish mechanical monster men and they would periodically just either freeze or break down or like the gorilla in the back would be like, uh, and then just get stuck. Um, and then what, what was even worse was when they finished their song, they would dim the lights on the stage and you would finish eating while the dads drank terrible beer, I assume. And off in the corner was this like just these five just ro- cyborg horror monsters that would come back to life at any given moment. And then all of a sudden the lights would go on and would go like, and they would start singing again. And you'd be like, what is going on here? And then you'd run in the other room and you'd like climb on the ski ball machine. And you know, some kid would get sick. My cousin punched Chuck E. Cheese in the face once his head Ooh. spun around. It was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. 
<laughs> Not so where I, I expected that to go. But yeah, they're making new Five Nights at Freddy's, which is cool. It looks like it takes place in Discovery Zone. <laughs> yeah, you're not. The wrong. security breach, the Chuck E. Cheese animatronics broken into discoveries. <laughs> That's my that is my MCU. I want those crossovers. Oh my god. Um I've never played one of those, so maybe this will be it it might not be, They added a walking mechanic. Oh, finally. That's true, um, yeah. A walking sim. Is it, isn't that like the deal with those is normally you're just like staring at monitors and then Yeah. I think yeah. so. Yeah. Okay. So it's like a, it is a novel thing to be able to jump into a ball pit now. Yeah, yeah like you open yeah. doors from your little security you know, <laughs> console. I do like that they, they kicked off that trailer with that like that woman's voice who was like, if you like horror games, you're going to love this next one. And I was like, oh, boy. And then there's like a first person ball pit. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I really thought that was going to be like, oh, cool. Silent Hill finally is here. Yeah. And then it was that. So many um, things could have gone there. Yeah. And then it was, I, I, what's weird is I even knew Five Nights at Freddy's was going to be there because the developers tweeted like a thinking emoji emoji mm-hmm. at uh, the state of play announcement. So I'm like, oh, of course. But still, there was half a second of hope that it was going to be something different. I was um, like Elden, Elden Ring is going to be the we're going to see a boss fight. Oh, Bloodborne Silent 2. Hill, Bloodborne 2, anything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, moving on. I uh, from the state of play, I do want to quickly touch on there is literally breaking news as we're recording the show again. Sony tries to beat us, and yet we are here and covering it as it's breaking. Uh, there was what a is- report report earlier today as we were uh, before we were recording that uh, Sony Japan was going to be seeing uh, reorganization and layoffs. Um, and Sony just while we're recording confirmed that this is indeed the case. This was an unconfirmed report previously. Uh, and Sony sent a statement along to IGN confirming this and that essentially Japan studio will be centered around Team Asobi, the development team behind the Astro's Playroom uh, and Astrobot games. So um, localization, IP management and external production will also be concentrated within the global functions uh, of PlayStation Studio. Here's the full statement. Just to read it. It's pretty short. In an effort to further strengthen business operations, SIE can confirm PlayStation Studios Japan Studio. It's a lot of studio will be reorganized into a new organization on first. Japan Studio will be recentered to Team Asobi, the creative team behind Astro's Playroom, allowing the team to focus on a single vision and build on the popularity of Astro's Playroom. In addition, the roles of external production, software localization, and IP management of Japan Studio titles will be concentrated with global functions of PlayStation Studios. Um, so first of all, of course, when any of these things happen, our thoughts are with all of the developers who are affected by this, who are uh, suffering any layoffs. Um, because of this reorganization, we don't obviously have a full scale of uh, how many roles this will encompass changing, uh, but obviously our thoughts with the developers affected. Um, I want to hear from all of you, but my, my initial thoughts are, and I tweeted this a little earlier when the the news was first rumored was that this doesn't surprise me because as as storied and impressive as like PlayStation Studios Japan has been, they haven't really released in games themselves uh, that they hadn't partnered on with like Bluepoint or things like that since 2017 when they released Gravity Rush 2 and Knack 2 uh, other than the Astro series. That has pretty much been the biggest, uh, you know, singly focused games from that studio. And especially when we saw recently the you know, Silent Hill creator and some of those producers, Eve, a producer who had worked on Bloodborne with the studio left uh, just in the last day or two. Um, seeing this uh, talent that was so key to the studio leaving, I guess, should have been the writing on the wall that something was changing there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, to me, it's unfortunate because there there was such a history, I think, at Japan Studio of like 
the eccentric experiments we would get out of Sony first party stuff. Um, they were they were really a house of like inventively changing things up. We'd get everything from Ape Escape to I, I believe to to Puppeteer to Astro's Playroom to you know co-developing Bloodborne with FromSoft and things like that. Like there's there to Gravity Rush. There was so much going on in that studio. Uh, yeah, it, it feels it definitely feels like a loss. Well, I think sort of this coupled with the, uh, I would say, like kind of decreased impact of PlayStation as a brand in Japan in general, like looking at sales numbers, it's I, I won't say like the country has moved on. Of course, they haven't and they, they probably never will. But there is just definitely less like enthusiasm for like the big triple A five hundred dollar console experience uh, in in that region right now. And that kind of bums me out, like I, seeing that coupled with this, which is like I to me, like. This is a studio designed to do smaller, interesting, weird games that they're allowed to do, bringing in their their own narrative and their own principles and stuff like that. And I, I think that like Sony is more and more shifting in towards kind of being like a, a, a more kind of American studio. Right. Like, I mean, they, they make a lot of kind of like gritty third person, hyper violent games, which which are great and they sell extraordinarily well. But to me, Japan will always be this like sort of ubiquitous ent- entity in terms of like creating the video game industry as we know it, like being a kid reading video game magazines and reading about the weird, cool stuff in Japan and the stuff that they were getting first. Um, it like, it bums me out to see that sort of decreased. Uh, there's been such like a shift there to the mobile space. There's been a shift there to um, the, the Nintendo side of stuff is, is still doing really well over there. Um, and it bums me out. Like I, I, w- I would love to see more studios underneath Sony's umbrella that can, tell these kind of smaller stories. Um, and I don't, I don't know where you go from there. It definitely felt like um, the Japan studio was the place where like, say anyone in the Sony stable had an idea for something that they wanted to do that was like left of center. Like it would, it, it would go to Japan studio. So I think the guy that made Puppeteer, I think he was British. Of course, like Mark Cerny was behind Mac. Um <laughs> And it kind of, it, it did very much feel like they were like, okay, well, we'll send it to Japan studio and they can be the one that, that sort of turns that into reality. I mean, not, you know, yeah. obviously there was a lot of co-development that went on, um, but in terms of like having a sort of a singular imprint, um, a stylish, stylistic imprint, I think it just became, you know, this was the experimental kind of studio, um, mm-hmm. as you say, with, with smaller experiences. So with, with that in mind, this kind of feels a little inevitable at this point. Yeah, definitely. In in comparison, I, I think, as you were saying, Brian, yeah, with so much of their focus being on these big cinematic AAA and really, I think, Western f- facing and, and, and more um, relatable to the, to those audiences based on the way we've seen Japanese developers, uh, you know, focus on third person action games. These have definitely been Sony's focus has definitely been more on like the Western uh, action game sensibilities. Um, but yeah, as you were saying, I think one of the biggest signs is the sales figures. Like we we definitely it's something that uh, I've seen pair bring up, uh, you know, in our uh, internal slacks uh, a few times with like sales in Japan when he spots them. And it's like Nintendo, Nintendo, Nintendo for the first like 40 games. And then there's maybe one station game in there. And it's just, yeah, that that hasn't really been a place where they can have a commanding lead anymore. And I, I, I guess, especially with like Jim Ryan, bring more of a European focus for Sony uh, worldwide studios, you know, from that level, um, or excuse me, uh, as CEO. And then Herman Holst as the head of worldwide studios, there's like a focus now in Europe that wasn't necessarily there before. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But yeah, right, which, which is interesting in the grander scale of the console war stuff, because if you look at like Microsoft has historically failed in, in that country repeatedly, like to the point where it's borderline laughing stock when sales numbers come in and you're like, you got you sold 11 Xbox 360s this year, like stuff like that, like just abysmally low numbers. Um, but the fact that like they basically, I would say, like not necessarily gave up on competing there, but I don't think they're fighting nearly as hard as, as they were during the era where they're like, hey, we got Blue Dragon. It's an exclusive JRPG, you know, like they moved on from that. And so for Sony to like, you know, sideline their studios here and uh, have less of an impact with console sales, it basically both companies have just handed that country to Nintendo and mobile. And that's weird. Like, it's just weird to see. Like, obviously, these are Sony's doing immensely well globally. Like, and so they don't necessarily need Japan, but it sucks. Like, it just sucks think, to see, you know? I don't think any, either of those companies will ever admit defeat in Japan. Yeah. I think yeah. there will there will always be a game plan. Like, we chatted to Microsoft um, about, like, what their, you know, sort of ventures into Japan were going to be for the Xbox Series X. And, like, they had this whole game plan. And, I, you know, I, I don't know how the Series X is performing in, in Japan. I, I, I can imagine it's slow going, at least, at least right now. Um, but, I, you know, I, I, it will still be a market that will, they'll both always try to conquer and regain mm-hmm. ground in because it's such a massive market. So I think right now, yes, we're seeing a complete Nintendo dominance, but I don't think that means that anyone will throw up their hands. Right. Right. I mean, that's that's the beauty of all this. Right. Like it's never you're never really promised tomorrow when it comes to all like there are just the ebb and flow of the market leaders in every region. Like that's what makes it so fun. The console wars are just constantly like the the audience is fickle. The Mm. companies are constantly taking new risks and crazy new ideas at some time to their own detriment. And, you know, in three, four years, maybe we this will be completely upside down. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, and we uh, will also probably see, I think, Sony continue to, at least in that market, invest in partnerships like with Final Fantasy VII Remake and Final Fantasy XVI uh, and obviously, you know, Death Stranding on that side. And if they continue to do anything with Kojima, if anything on the Silent Hill front ever comes true, I would not be shocked to see any of the Konami partnerships be with Sony. That feels like a sort of natural fit. Um, From but yeah, Soft, it, Capcom, all of those companies like they're, I, you know. I wonder if we'll see any sort of older franchises get dusted off or farmed out to third parties. Um, Cause obviously, you know, playing, uh, playing Astrobot, it's clear that there is like, like we, we all kind of noted this. There's, it seems much more like PlayStation is celebrating its history and it's, you know, the legacy of its IPs. And there's, you know, there's nods to, you know, gravity rush and ape escape and stuff like that in there. And it's mm-hmm. uh, it, there's also that sort of, this is obviously, you know, this does come with layoffs. It's a restructuring. Um, we're not really privy to the details of that, but there is also that certain degree of like, you know, Plato's ship rib when it comes to studios where the studio is known for these games that were made over the course of, you know, 20 years, however long, and multiple people kind of came and went throughout that, that time. And how, you know, how many people need to get removed from a studio before that is a fundamentally different studio. So, right. you, know, you know, maybe, exactly. maybe we'll see like a, a totally interesting kind of like uh restruct, like actual restructuring and, um, you know, Asobi. Um, mm-hmm. or, you know, maybe this is, you know, a ch- changing of the guard or whatever. There's also that really cool thing that, that happens where, um, like a new team entirely will take on a beloved franchise and reinvent it. Like a, like God of War 
is one of those things that I think that like a lot of people were, were kind of roll their eyes at the idea of that franchise after a while because it sort of like ran its course. Um, and there's like a lot of really cool ideas and a lot of great games in there. But they just put that in the hands of a like a basically a new team, some people that worked on the old ones, some people that had brand new ideas and reinvented it. And, and it became, you know, like it's that's like a one of the most like critically acclaimed, acclaimed games of all time. I will say like the Jima Ape Escape. <laughs> yeah, sure. Great. I'm into it. I mean, I'm very into it. The silver lining here is that we're getting more Astrobot, right? Like if yeah. we're going to look at the positive here, which is, you know, the best selling PS5 game. <laughs> Some good news. It's true. Um, I want more of that game. I, yeah. Hundred percent install base. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. I, I was. <laughs> I was. And I. That was uh, honestly like one of my favorite. That's probably one of my favorite like console launch games ever made. Like in terms Same. of like the experience that I had with that, platinuming it like top to bottom, just like. Yeah. If if they give us a new one of those like every year and change, and it's you know just a bunch of new levels, a bunch of new cool stuff. I'm so into that. So. Yeah. My Mike. My guess would be that that team would probably focus on uh, both experiences that will work within and without of VR at this point, because they'll pr- they'll I think Astro's Playroom on its own is so much fun. But Astrobot was also like a PSVR seller. And so I think they're going to probably be working on an Astrobot Rescue Mission 2 for PSVR. But I would also love to see Astro's Playroom 2, as weird as that is. Like, I think I think both of those things can exist. Um, and I, I don't want I, I would imagine with them restructuring this way, they're not going to limit that team to just VR. Probably. Do you know what they should do? They should announce like in a blog post on like a Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. Another PSVR. <laughs> they what? Well, good news for you, Brian. They did. Uh, obviously, I know we're running a, a little bit longer. So if anyone understands uh, end of the day as well. But uh, yeah, I do definitely want to touch on that. Uh, the PSVR 2, you know, before the state of play uh, was announced, it's just not coming this year. Uh, we didn't get any look at it. Uh, we don't really know uh, what uh, what it will hold on to from the the VR headset that's come before the PSVR headset. But we do know that it will uh, connect to the PS5 with a single cord to single simplify cord. setup. Hashtag single cord life. Ooh, um, I want no cords. <laughs> I, I do want to talk about that in a second because I, I did have a few interesting conversations about like why we think it's still a cord, but uh, also <laughs> that uh, it'll be a next gen VR system that enhances everything from resolution to field of view to tracking input and will also include uh, new controllers. So yeah, the there it is. The move controllers are can be put to rest after three generations uh, and they yeah. will incorporate some of the key features found in the dual sense uh, along with a focus on great ergonomics a lot of people don't know this but ronald reagan was president when uh, the controllers first came <laughs> on so that's how effing old they are no this is this is great I, i'm like you know i'm throwing shade at the one the one cable i'm okay with it that's fine i there's one cable on my oculus when i forget to charge it like it's you know it's i can deal with that we complain about the big like you know snake's nest <laughs> that we've had to deal with every time yeah. we plug in a psvr before this so this is cool I'm, I'm super into this i think the the single cord thing for me i understand why it's not completely wireless because it one keeps you literally like and also figuratively tethered to focusing on it being a ps5 analogous device but it also probably helps with power and there doesn't have to be an internal like huge battery and hard drive Space. like it, it doesn't have to rest in there and the the headset can just be the headset would be my guess for some of those reasons um but yeah i am all for a smooth psvr headset i have 
I have the extension like thing for the camera for my PS5 to to use the PSVR on it. I have not set up my PSVR in six months because it is just too much of a hassle in my like in the back of my mind. Having to detangle, as you said, that nest of wires is just not it's not what I want to do right now. And if I plug that thing in, I'm kind of committed. Um, so in ease of use, I think is going to be key here. I'm, I'm glad the controllers will have, uh, dual sense, uh, capabilities in them. That's a, a nice bonus as well. But, um, yeah, I think for me, the biggest thing, like we've talked a, a bit, you know, on and off about PSVR cadence on here. It's good to know they're continuing to support it. I think, I hope that from what we see for PSVR two is a more steady stream of releases, because I think sort of like looking back on the show, we very much have had like, Man, it's a PSVR drought for eight months, and then there's like two months of a lot of great games, and then it's another drought for most of a year, and then another mm-hmm. couple of great games. That like that cadence, I don't think served the headset well, especially as a add-on purchase. I mean, right. I, 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 I'm gonna, I'm just saying, I'm kind of sort of a little surprised that there is a PSVR two in the first place. Like, yeah. I, I, you know, the market certainly hasn't pointed towards there being an amazing breakthrough and, and VR sales or like, you know, it, it, it's finally it's VR's time in the sun. Like <laughs> it, it still feels kind of like it, it never hit that peak that we were talking about when PSVR and Oculus and all of those companies were the PlayStation rather um, were making their VR, you know, footprint. Like, I I don't think we ever got there. I mean, Half-Life Alex, I feel is the closest we got to like, this is, you know, we need this, you need this, you need a headset. This, like, if you love video games and this is what, you know, like, I'm surprised that Sony is still kind of in the game, to be honest. Like, well, I know this is kind of like a Debbie Downer thing to say, but no, 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 you're completely. I mean, it, this PSVR um, it sold. It's the best selling, like sort of standalone VR headset, and or not standalone, but VR headset period, and it sold half as well as the Wii U did. Like, and that, like that, that's important to remember. Like, and it has it has a phenomenal attach rate. Like, people who buy it buy tons of software, and that's great. And this is great news for VR as a sort of like medium because this is, you know. A, a gigantic publisher company video game developer not throwing their hat in the ring but keeping it there um or their you know <laughs> their your face hat or whatever you want to call it um that's awesome it's it's great for like vr enthusi- enthusiasts in general but yeah this is it still hasn't it, this is still companies repeatedly attempting to sort of like break through that layer of like sort of like a small pocket of enthusiasts um and so we'll see what happens. Like, I, I'm I'm glad that they're I'm glad they're trying again or continuing to try <laughs> that. Um, The stats about the PSVR selling half as many as we I know it was at one point the best selling VR headset. I feel like that was pre Oculus Quest, which I know definitely I believe it was. Yeah. OK. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, anecdotally, my my stepmom has an Oculus Quest and she's not a person who would buy a VR headset in if you if you go to my head, ask me five years ago, would she be into that? I'm like, no, that's not the <laughs> thing she wants. And gun in my head is oculus quest exclusive so i could see why yeah (laughs) but yeah Um, um, the quest has definitely taken uh, i I think at least like the mind share i mean they definitely got a pretty good mind share and then they were like but you need a facebook account to keep doing this and that turned a lot of people off i saw like a pretty interesting take on this where at this point um you know there's an established sort of there, there there are enough psvr games out there that it doesn't seem like a total like leap of faith to jump on that but at the same time the uh, you know, Valve headsets are, I'm not going to say prohibitively expensive, but they're definitely a lot more expensive. Like at one point, I think 
the the PSVR was the cheapest way to get into VR, and since then it's become the the Quest um, or you know the lower end, whatever the, the things are. But uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm glad that Sony's sticking with it. I think it, it shows a lot. Like, I, I don't think I don't think VR is ever going to happen, but as video games have become so mainstream and ubiquitous, it's kind of nice that there still is some you know like nerdy tech hobby that hasn't that that is like you can kind of you know escape into. Yeah. Uh, and I really hope that like we've seen Sony put it starting to put first party games on PC. I hope they make this thing compatible with PC because I think that would really help it kind of, you know, find f- find a home or in many homes. Yeah, no, that's actually I that's a really brilliant idea. I hadn't even really thought of that. I think that's like one of the main issues holding back VR right now um, is, you know, th- there's it, it's sort of so scattershot. Like it's an incredibly fragmented community. Like. When you want to play a game on Oculus, you're like, do I need the Rift, the Quest? Do I have to tether to a PC for this? For PSVR, hooking it up to a PS5 is just a nightmare I don't even want to deal with. It involves like getting multiple dongles in the mail. I'm good. <laughs> like, and, I'm okay. And I love getting mail in quarantine. It's like, they it's never so tragic. Mine. Like, I don't know why. See? It's, yeah. It's, Everyone, but, like, like, my friend got one. <laughs> <laughs> there's like, there's obviously some multiple people are looking at the bottom line on VR and going, worth it and we don't have that we don't have those numbers right and so like i'm glad that they're looking at that and they're going okay there's there's still like a means to an end here to develop and put money into development for these these games this hardware this software but more importantly like i don't know we just got brand new playstation hardware it's awesome um i'm excited to see what they do with vr because i know that they're gonna do something that's just like a little bit offbeat it won't be like there won't be facebook in the back corner being like aha send me your photos like they're gross and so this i'm i'm into this i we'll see we'll see how it pans out yeah and uh absolutely the point of like it may i would love if it's compatible with pc i agree because it is sort of it's the one like console specific vr headset right now uh, other than of course the nintendo labo and so it's uh <laughs> it, it's locked off from of the course. rest of that community in a weird way whereas uh you know oculus htc vive like all those things are different companies but they're all on pc at the end of the day and there there yeah. is a, a uniformity to that community that psvr kind of feels a little bit separate from sometimes so that would definitely go a long way but speaking of pc as well it is definitely worth mentioning that also this week we learned that uh more ps4 games will be coming to pc starting with days gone uh this spring uh more Just a real ugh. i can't believe it the nerve it's, of these people it's, what about uh, me? How are you going to play it with a keyboard? That's madness. Uh, obviously, this food the only end. tastes good when other people can't eat it. <laughs> Watch me eat my food. Uh, obviously, this marks the end of PlayStation's dominance in the gaming space. I think it's safe yeah. to say, and that yeah. this is just uh, their fall from grace begins here. No, uh, of course, <laughs> we we wanted to bring this up. One to mention uh, that you know this follows in the footsteps of Horizon Zero Dawn last year. We're going to get more. Uh, we could speculate on what more will be, but I think it is definitely worth addressing the thing, as a few of us did on Twitter when this news came out, that PlayStation putting years old exclusives on PC does not invalidate the game you played and enjoyed as an exclusive to that console in any way. This is Can I just can I ask ahead. a question? Like yes. it it makes so much aggressive sense to me from a business standpoint to do this and also I don't see it as being anti-consumer at all. These games have been out for years. Uh what what were people actually pissed off? Like or did we just assume that they would be pissed off? I've seen a bit of it. Uh, there it, were people pissed off on YouTube and yeah. uh, in the comments in the official announcement. 
But I do think we have reached many, many moons ago. We reached this sort of like preemptively daggers out to attack anybody <laughs> who is pissed off. And like we're doing that sort of like loop through like thing where we're like, you're you're mad and I'm mad at you for being mad. And people are like, I'm not that mad. Um, I don't think I don't think it's that big of a deal personally. No. But we yeah. I think this is like we did see we did see that happen with with Horizon and Death Stranding. I remember definitely I remember, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah. the volume of the conversation I definitely been as loud this time, but I, I do think it's just worth reiterating. So clear financial like business sense for them to do this because they're not putting Horizon Forbidden West on PC day and date. Like they put Horizon on PC so more people would like Horizon and then PS5 to play her, her Horizon Forbidden West. But then they're there'll putting, be PC gamers playing our PlayStations. Oh no, you're right. But they can't earn trophies, so sucks for them. Mm-hmm. Actually, I don't know if you could. You probably can't. Um, but yeah, it's the days gone. Like there's obviously going to be more days gone. That game sold very well. Uh, Bend has continued to support it after launch. Like there will probably be more to the days gone universe. Putting it on PC just means at this point, more people will get to play it. And I think as Brian, you had said, like a, a bunch of these games will probably be in plus collection already on ps5 so uh, some of them will be free to people who get a ps5 already if you have playstation plus which you probably do um it's it it is a thing to help the bottom line and to help re-energize sales and may not be selling a ton right now to then further help sequels down the line well like i saw i saw a lot of response sort of being like well what's the purpose of even owning a playstation anymore and it's like well it's the same purpose it's had to be an early adopter of like, literally anything ever, like your part enjoying the thrill of brand new worlds before anyone else can experiment them, experience them. And then part of the, part of that is, is being a guinea pig and like playing, playing stuff before it's like fully, fully feature complete. But like, I don't know, like if you wait three years to see a movie, like you're going to get like the special edition UHD director's cut, Blu-ray 4k with you know, all this other nonsense in it. But you didn't see that movie three years ago when everyone else was. I have. If you look at the um, I mean, the the box office numbers for, you know, Fast and Furious or Marvel or any one of those big franchises that keeps growing the it's always the newest one. And I mean, you know, it's this snowball effect. And I honestly think that like I bought like I hadn't seen any of the Fast and Furious movies like a year and a half ago. And I just was like, screw it. And I paid something stupid, like eleven dollars for nine movies on my like on Blu-ray on Black Friday. And then. I watched them all and now I'm like, yeah, next time that one of those comes out, I'll go see it in theaters. And like, mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's how you onboard people. It's I'm I, and it's, I don't know if that makes more people jump on PS five than cool. Yeah, yeah, totally. It, it'll be a thing that I think only helps the PlayStation five in the long run. And uh, it'll be fun if there are any weird motorcycle mods for that. They one. better not patch Aloy into days gone because that's not fair for us. The, the like, PlayStation fans. <laughs> Real quick, it is important to note that this is very clearly not a decision being made out of financial desperation. Like this is, oh, this yeah. is the this is a company that is having zero problems whatsoever selling literally every console they manufacture. They yeah. they're hot off the heels of one of the most popular consoles ever made. Days Gone sold, I, I imagine, fairly well for you know for for the work that they put into it for you know. And so obviously this is them looking at this and going like, yeah, let's let's make a little more money on this. Not them being like, we got to do this. Otherwise, the whole boat's going down like it's not. Yeah, it's not that it, bad. 
it, it, things are going well for the moment. And even though we may get that news alongside something like GT7 being delayed to 2022, which also came out at the same time, um, where things there is plenty to look forward to in this year for PS5 as well, even if some of those games eventually come to PC in 2027. Um, before we uh, end week, I did briefly want to mention Max, I, I know I had put a note in the run of show. Do you have a memory card story you want to share or not? Otherwise, I can I can skip. I right did, by. but then I forgot it. That's fair enough. It's been a, a year of a it week. was. I, it's the time you ate a memory card. Mm, yes. Yeah. That Do you was have a anything? switch cartridge and it tasted terrible. <laughs> you have anything in your pockets? Uh, no, I'm really I'm just doing <laughs> I'm doing uh, nothing in my pockets day. Just really having a really kind of loosey goosey. Everything's on the tables, on the counters, on the floor. It's my favorite was, wacky holiday. We're, we're saying goodbye to you for a couple of weeks, right? Yeah. 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 Um, I'm taking paternity leave starting tomorrow because my wife is enormous with child and she's due like any minute now. And um, so women love that, by the way. They love yeah. that. That's the <laughs> best description. Yeah. Being called enormous with child. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, that's that's going to be interesting. Obviously, this is cloudy with a chance of meatballs. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I'll try to play a video a video game while I'm doing that something hopefully turn-based or maybe something that lets you pause it, I think is probably smart. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, well, well, obviously we'll, we'll miss you in the ensuing weeks while, while you'll be off the show, but thank you for making the time, you know, these last few weeks run to make sure we could have you on the show before you were going to be taking that time off. So happy to be able to have you on before. Ooh, before I have, I do have off. things. Ooh. I have a thing. Yes. I can't talk about it. It's a super, it's a very special secret thing that's happening. It'll be going up at some point next month. Um, <laughs> okay. we know about the baby. It's so. not. Well, well, so much for that idea. We're um, Max is going to review the baby on the IGN scale. So oh. exclusive unboxing world premiere. Um, <laughs> oh, but no, uh, I have. What is it? I have the <laughs> the, the monthly <laughs> reviews and review show that I've been doing and the biggest game releases of March. And then there's we're also they're making me do one where it's like the biggest streaming releases. And I was like. I'm not going to I'm not going to do that many of them. So it's probably stuff you already knew was coming out. <laughs> uh, well, look forward to those in, in Max's absence. But as soon as we can have you back on the show, of course, we will. But uh, you make sure you bring the baby. Make sure the baby uh, is on the show with God, you every week. a little person with little hands and stuff. Yeah. Weird. Before we put you into an existential breakdown of any kind. You'll have a few busy weeks ahead. Anything you want to tell people to otherwise i know you had mentioned you're on a GameSpot spoiler cast yeah i fin- i finally finished yakuza like a dragon after ch- churning away at that for a while and then the folks over at GameSpot had me on to do a spoiler cast because they are all um much better people than everyone at ign and they actually play the yakuza games um you know even when their friends <laughs> recommend them and all that so uh go check that out and yeah, yeah. mitchell plays them uh other other than that uh brian do you have anything you want to plug uh, two, or anything that you've two quick things uh one i'm about three hours in a yakuza zero i'm playing it so i can gladly oh. you know yell about yakuza for it's Max almost to the he's... part where you get to do the game it's it's about yeah to start. almost <laughs> they, the men love talking and i love beating the them journey up. begins chapter um, seven uh but sp- speaking of cheating on our employees with uh, more talented ones i did uh kind of funnies uh sort of not necessarily like a spoiler cast but just sort of like a definitive uh show about bloodborne um with uh, Andy Cortez and Blessing and Tamor and Greg. And it was super fun. Just us, like, 90 minutes just gushing about how great that game is, what we think of the lore, um, 
what what would, it was like to platinum it, how important it is. So in case for some effing bizarre reason, you've muted all the parts of this show where I've ever talked about Bloodborne. There's an hour and a half of it over there. So enjoy. Fair enough. And uh, Lucy, anything you want to point people to? Or has it just been done, too crazy I, for a week? I have done absolutely nothing but work in the last month and my muscles have begun to atrophy. Um, yeah. That's- <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. All right. we'll, we'll point you to uh, protein supplements after this. Great. Um, right. uh, and of course, I do want to mention uh, to anyone who may not have seen it, I put up a bit earlier this week. Uh, a deep dive sort of postmortem. and it's very spoilery but it's about uh the ending of bug snacks i spoke to uh the creative director and writer basically about how that game drastically changed from the original ending uh and why they felt it was a much better game for all the changes they made it was a really really fun uh insightful conversation that we turned into a very large piece um i spent we've spent probably an hour talking about the creative process of going through that game and it was just a phenomenal uh conversation to have and i, I really enjoyed they let me know about the game so please check that out uh if you haven't already uh and that, then also, that was a great piece by the way i really thank really you. like that yeah i appreciate it uh i want to play the director's remix version where it's horrible at the end yeah yeah i want to see what they uh really were going to do with the the end there but i don't want to spoil it but anyway um also that and then i have the returnal preview up as well as a preview of a new game called stonefly that is from the creators of creature in the well uh it looks really really cool i definitely recommend checking out the uh trailer and screenshots because me telling you it's like a uh, an action mech game where you're the size of a borrower uh in a, a really cool forest doesn't quite do it justice but it's a very cool looking game uh anyway that's going to pretty much wrap us up for this week's episode of podcast beyond thank you brian max and lucy for joining me for this week's episode Thank you, as always, to our producer, Red, for helping to make the show actually happen. And thank you to everyone out there listening and watching. We'll talk to you all next week. We hope you're safe, though. We hope you're well. As always, beyond. 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 Are you thinking about getting into Dungeons & Dragons? Maybe you're looking to expand your horizons as a DM or a player. If that's the case, then it's time for you to check out The Dungeon Cast, the best D&D podcast out there that helps you passively learn all about the game just by listening. Join co-hosts Will and Brian as they break down the lore of a rich multiverse 50 years in the making in a lighthearted and beginner-friendly way. They cover everything from character creation options to tips for dungeon masters. There's something for everyone, no matter how long you've been playing TTRPGs. Get inspired while learning all about the unique planes of existence. Get the in-depth knowledge you need to help your combat encounters feel impactful or learn about the origins and pantheons of every race and class the game offers. No stone is left unturned as every edition of the game is explored and explained in a way that benefits players of all different levels of experience. You can expand your TTRPG horizons in a way that's as entertaining as it is educational just by listening. All you have to do is go to your favorite podcast app or YouTube and search for The Dungeon Cast.